Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 29th, we're recording this, 29th of December 2022. And on today's show, Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs joins me. We preview the 2022 Fiesta Bowl between Michigan and TCU, the first of two college football playoff semifinals coming up on New Year's Eve. Breaking down the matchup, the kind of broad strokes, the big picture, what does this mean for the conference? And also, can TCU get the job done against the Wolverines? All that and more is coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We are approaching 3K. Not sure we're going to get there in the next two days, we're like 20 away. So if you guys have not subscribed, oh, yet, come on, do. we can 20, do that. 20 subs away from 3000. It would help us cap off a monster. You're also why you're there. You guys can subscribe to locked on TCU. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh neighbors underscore. You guys can find Steven Simcox at Simcox. Steven today's show is brought to you all by bet online and BetOnline.net. If you guys want to get in on the action for this weekend's CFP semifinal or anything else happening in the world of sports, Bet online is the best place to go. Steven, we are now at the time of recording this, uh, two days away from the matchup between Michigan and TCU. And uh, I want to start off by saying this. You and I talked when it was announced, and this is the one part about these games I really dislike. Since you and I have talked, Max Duggan was a semifinalist for the Heisman Trophy, uh, or, you know, finalist, excuse me, but came in second. Um, Max Duggan announced he's going to the NFL. TCU signed a whole signing class, as did the Michigan yeah. Wolverines. Uh, and, you know, a bunch of bowl games have been played. Christmas has happened and all this kind of stuff. And so this goes out, this kind of starts off to say, these games are like, they're very unnatural, right? You and I had talked about it before we came on. TCU from Texas is going to head out west, as will Michigan from the state of Michigan, uh, to go play in Phoenix, uh, and, and play each other in Phoenix in a NFL stadium, right? And we hope the crowd – I think we'll, the crowd will be pretty good, right? We think the crowd's going to be awesome for a game like this and uh, not COVID-effective or anything like that, so full crowds these games. But still, it's just – these games feel like these weird corporate things, and you stack in the fact that, like, each team's almost had a miniature offseason to plan for the game, and also amongst the other stuff they had to do as well. Right. So like these games always feel unnatural and weird when they roll around. And also when we start watching them, they always feel a bit weird to me too. Right. I mean, obviously I am, I'm thankful in this scenario that it's on neutral field because if somebody was hosting, it would be Michigan who's the higher seed. Uh, but I am excited for the playoff games on campus at home stadiums in the near future. And it is strange, you know, over the last few weeks, like honest, I, I realize both teams have done this, but at times I've just been like, when do they actually practice? Because between, you know, as you said, like guys like Max Duggan out for different award ceremonies, uh, coaches on the road doing recruiting, you know, hitting things, hitting guys up in the transfer portal. Uh, and then even this week, there's been a lot more media availability than normal. You know, they did a service project yesterday. There's all these different things that they do for the Fiesta Bowl because it's still a bowl game, even though it, it is the college football playoff and essentially a semifinal matchup where the winner goes to the national championship. And it's really odd. Um, I feel like the rest is going to help TCU in that it's helped them get healthier and, and sort of refocus, maybe have a chance to take a step back and assess some things and go, okay, what are we doing uh, well? What do we need to change? What has the 
what do we have to fix before this matchup? But, I mean, I think these long breaks in a lot of cases, Josh, they benefit the the favorite more too because it's it's an opportunity for them to say, okay, like if TCU got Michigan, you know, in the middle of September and they didn't really know a lot about the Horn Frogs and it's just a non-conference game, um, even if it was on the road, then I would feel really optimistic about TCU's chances to sort of catch them off guard and have some wrinkles and do some different things that Michigan hasn't seen. At this point, they've had so much time to prepare. I would imagine Michigan has a pretty good idea of what TCU's strengths are and how to stop it. So it's really going to come down to which coaching staff can kind of adjust on the fly and which team can play to their strengths the best. But it is strange, and it's odd that everybody's heading to, you know, the Arizona Cardinals Stadium to watch these two teams play. But it's the the unfortunate reality of – corporate college football there's a lot of good that comes with it but these are one of the things that that we wish we could tweak a little bit yeah and i've been to one of those games i went to the peach bowl in 2019 that was the joe burrow lsu team smashing oklahoma right oh yeah um and yeah the crowd was good like it was exciting and it but you know it's still like one of those corporate events right like everyone had a mac and cheese coupon from chick-fil-a under their seat because that was when (laughs) chick-fil-a just came out with mac and cheese so it was like, oh, there's the corporate side of, of things. And there's not as much tailgating at these NFL stadiums as, as you normally get. I'm sure there'll be some. But um, And the other thing, too, I think has been a big talking point here is, is TCU carrying the banner for the Big 12? This was a talking point when Cincinnati made the CFP, right? Are the Bearcats carrying the banner for the future Big 12 or – are they carrying it for the Power Five or the, the G5 leagues? And I think when I think about this, like, in a sense, because the Big 12 has not won a playoff game, yes, that's always on the line now whenever a Big 12 team steps in. But also at the same time, and even though Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, there's an element of that. But at the same time, once we go to 12 teams, like, the Big 12 is going to get one most likely Two, you know, this, this this year, I mean, they'd get two yeah. teams in, obviously, right? That'd be the case. And you know, in the past years, like, you know, probably two last year as well, right? So at some point in time, you think there'd be a Big 12 team that wins a college football playoff game. Um, so We like, hope. Yeah, we right, hope. Well, I, guess we, I guess we hope, right? But I mean, like, there is, you're playing the 5-12, right? It's not like you're always sure. playing, you know, George Alvin, whatever it is. So uh, we hope, yes, I God, famous last words, right? Um, you'd hope at some point they win one. So like, how much of that banner carrying, I know the team doesn't like to care or talk about it, but like amongst sure. us media folk, how much do you see that as, as being a thing? Well, it, it's unfair, but I think a lot of it, honestly. Um, now, ultimately, if, if they're competitive, I feel like you look back at it and you say, wow, that team made the playoff. They broke through. They were, you know, the, the new blood in there. That's significant, but um, I still feel like it's just one of those things. If you're a team like TCU, if Ohio State loses by 30 to Georgia, you know, people will make fun of Ohio State. There will be some talk about, oh, yeah, maybe Alabama should have got in. But ultimately, like, they'll be fine next year if they're up for the playoff again. Nobody's going to act like Ohio State didn't necessarily belong from a talent standpoint, from a prestige standpoint, those kind of things. If TCU gets beat by Michigan by a significant margin, then you'll probably hear all the chorus of folks that said this all year that, oh, well, this team just didn't deserve to be there. Even if they would have gone undefeated, they wouldn't have deserved to be there because, you know, they're not one of the, the they're not part of the in crowd. They're part of a, a Big 12 conference that is, 
weak and soft and not physical enough and doesn't play enough defense. And even though those tropes I think are kind of outdated, that's still the the narrative that hangs around the league. So I do think it's important that TCU at least makes it a game, right? And if they win, then I feel like it's a huge boost. It's not going to totally solve the problem. Um, there will still be plenty of folks that look down on the Big 12, look down on teams like TCU that are not, you know, the brand name. But I think it's a huge step forward for teams that are in that club um, that would silence a lot of the doubters. If you go get, you know, embarrassed or if it's not a super competitive game, then, yeah, I do think you hear uh, a lot of the offseason like, well, they probably didn't deserve to be there. They should just the, – the committee should just copped out and put Alabama in because at least that might have been a closer game. Um, so hopefully TCU can go in there and make it a football game. I know there's some, you know, matchup disadvantage for them on paper, but I think on the flip side of it, they, there are some areas they can exploit as well. Um, I do feel like, though, sort of the burden of teams that are not, you know, part of the in crowd is that you, you're you always constantly having to prove yourself to the national landscape and prove that you belong, even though it's it's not really um, – it's not really something in my mind that holds water at this point. Yeah, and I think also, too, for, like, Sonny Dykes, I mean, there is an element of that. I even saw today, like, he was talking about uh, their schedule, and he's like, we haven't had a bye week. You know, since the third week of the season and he's like and also we didn't play citadel week 10 and i you know drive by shot at citadel football sorry there but you know there's there was no like they call it socon saturday in the sec there is none of that and he was talking about the strength of the league more so so i, I think that stuff always does cross our minds especially from like a big 12 perspective but um i try to put that stuff aside as much as possible just because like while those conversations actually rate pretty well when we compare conferences whatever i don't find them to be like especially valid Right. I don't find that to be a spell. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go around and trot around the Big 12's bowl record in the last two seasons. They have the highest winning percentage. I don't really care that much. Like this year, it's not doing that well, but all the bowl stuff is so circumstantial and whatnot. Like I think kind of the conference versus conference stuff at, at points, it's valuable. Maybe we're talking about money, right? We're talking about, hey, uh, actual dollars and cents, but I'm not sure how valuable it is sometimes talk about like oh bowl records or, you know there's a big 12 have to win this to get some respect i'd love it so we could actually get some respect it would be great to have more respect for our league especially now it's a, the you know a non-oklahoma team in there but like i don't think they they have to have it um so you know in the preparation for this bowl game now kind of get down to the to the nitty-gritty you mentioned there's some disadvantages um this is now i think the biggest problem that tcu is going to have is that they showed in the Texas game they could stop the run and stop the run against an offensive line that had played pretty well this year. And I know there were some holes in the Texas offensive line. They played very well. That group pushed a lot of teams around, and they stopped the best running back in the country and basically everybody's opinion, B. John Robinson. And Roshan Johnson, they held him down too in that game. Uh, they're going to have to do that again. They're going to have to do that against the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. For those of you who don't know, it goes to the offensive line that did the that that you know basically the best season according to whoever votes in that that award. Um they're gonna have to do it against a two, no Blake Corum, I know, but uh I'll tell you what, with Donovan Edwards has <laughs> been in the backfield, uh, there's been little to no drop off. And actually right. they're a bit they're they're more he's more explosive of a runner. Um and so I think that is the challenge here is that that is where this game is going to be won. TCU on the defensive side and they only play a three man front you know, that is going to be a challenge for, for Joe Gillespie is how do you counteract that? 
how do you find ways to stop the run against a team that you know is going to want to stop the run? And then, you know, you still be wary of the play action pass. We'll say the one advantage TCU has in that department is the fact that they can leave their corners on an Island most of the time uh, in Newton and Trey Tomlinson and actually be okay. But what, what does TCU do to try and neutralize this offensive, uh, the offensive line for Michigan? Right. The, the Edwards uh, factor is fascinating because I, I do think Michigan has lost a little bit of consistency, but you're totally right. Like he is a home run threat. And honestly, like TCU, when they've struggled against the run this year, you know, K-State ended up running for over 150 yards on them. But a lot of it was on two Deuce Vaughn carries. Like they'll just have busts sometimes right. where they, they break out of that initial sort of wave of defenders and then they're gone. Um, and so if Michigan hits a couple of those, then you could be in trouble. But I mean, the three three five uh, formation format base set has been talked about a lot. I think TCU has ways to get around that. Obviously, like Joe Gillespie can bring another defensive lineman in the game. The whole point of it really is that you're you're able to be flexible. Like you can right. you can adjust to the offense. Now the issue is you got a lot of hybrid kind of safety and linebacker guys, and if you're bringing those players in the box. They either have to be faster than this O-line and more athletic and get to their spot, or they have to find some way to, you know, not get locked up one-on-one with those with those guys because they are fantastic. And it is a different level than you saw in the Texas game. Uh, but I imagine they're going to commit a lot to that run game and and just do their best to hold up. I, I think they do have a ton of confidence in Trey Hodges, Tomlinson, and Josh Newton, and even some of their safeties like Bud Clark. Um <clears throat> And, and Miller Bradford holding up in coverage. And so you counteract that by saying, hey, you're going to probably play a lot of man um, and mix up some looks and just hope that you can um, reestablish the line of scrimmage at times and not allow Michigan to just churn out four or five, six yards of carry like they typically do. Have to find a way to get them in second and third and long instead of second and third and manageable, which is where they, they live a lot of the time. And yeah, I just feel like you got to put it on J.J. McCarthy's arm, and he's a good quarterback. I mean, I, I've, I've made this point a couple times, and Michigan fans have sort of come at me. I'm not saying he's just a bus driver, but I just believe, like, if, you, if you're if you losing this game, it has to be because he made throws, and, you know, the passing, right. the Michigan passing game was successful. Like, if you just lose because they ran up and down you and, and all over you all night, then I think that's a really hard pill to swallow. So you have to account for it, attack it, and – um, I, I would imagine that Joe Gillespie is not a guy that brings a ton of pressure. Like that's not usually his MO. Uh, but with the break, I would I would imagine there's going to be some more exotic looks and some different things to try to get some negative plays. Because if you can get them in second and twelve or third and eleven, then I, I feel like you have a, a much better chance of success than if they're just going to stay on schedule all game. And it's what they do really well. So yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a tough ask, but it's the only way you're going to win the football game. So um, they're going to have to find a way to get it done if, if they're going to be successful on Saturday. Quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by the NHTSA. They remind you all to drive sober or get pulled over this holiday season. You guys know how it goes. You're having a few with your friends a few becomes a few too many, and you think you guys can drive home. You think you're fine. Well, the odds are get pulled over. Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. 
However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you are okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead, and get a ride home. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Yeah, I, I think that that means that obviously the defense, <clears throat> excuse me, defensive lines have to play well. The linebacking core is going to play well, well mm-hmm. too, right? I mean, it's gonna they're gonna have to be the guys that play a lot of those holes. And look, I think the fact that they've got guys who hit pretty well, like you know, uh, Hodges tackling machine. Uh, obviously, you know, D Winter is really strong player there for them in, in the part of that defense. And Jamoy Hodge, they're gonna need to, you know, I mean, he is. Like, they're going to need him to be that violent big stick, right? They're going to need to have some of those big hits and probably some of those hits maybe force some turnovers, right? I think it's a part of this too is they're going to need to force a mistake or two. And I think when you bring up J.J. McCarthy, you know, the reason why they went to McCarthy over McNamara, and this is something we talk about at all levels of football. This happens a lot in quarterback situations. Like, the reason why you usually pick the more talented guy in the end is, you know, yeah, like make him make the throws, but like you need to, you want to put the guy in there who is, if I ask you to make five plays a game, you know, not just sit back there and throw and like go on the run, throw on the run, make that throw. You know, Cade McNamara probably not couldn't do that. McCarthy can, like, sure, he is a bus driver, but he is the more, I think what you're trying to say is he's a more capable bus driver, right? He is yes. not the, like, he's better than Cade McNamara, I think, in terms of talent level. And so, while you might be asking McCarthy to do similar things than what you asked McNamara to do, right? Uh, he can do them maybe with a bit more pizzazz and maybe make you a player too, which could be the difference. And look, like Michigan fans, if you guys want to say that, fine, or whatever. But there's a reason why your offensive line has won back-to-back Joe Moore awards. And also, you know, your you're top 10 in the country in rushing yards. Like, that's what you guys like to do. That's what Michigan wants to do. They want to establish the run. And why not? Now, sure, yeah. the question is, against Georgia – uh, that might not work because they're basically doing the same thing, um, you know. And and I think Georgia's offensive line took some. It looks like they took some umbrage not winning that award, being you know, Michigan kind of getting that for back to back years. But like Georgia feels like you know the more refined, I think, is the right version of of Michigan, and that's where it's interesting. But yeah, there is some drop off here between TCU and and uh, you know, I think TCU's defense and and how they attack that offensive line. Look, I think. Other playoff games, kind of give you an example. We saw this problem that Oklahoma had against LSU. We saw this Cincinnati had the same problem actually against Alabama too. And look, Alabama, like they didn't have a ton of passing success in that game until much later in the game against Cincinnati. Like they didn't want, they did not want to mess with those corners. And I, I don't blame them for that. Right. Um, and I think it's probably the same thing too. It's like, let's not mess with those guys if we don't have to. And I, I think that's where kind of Michigan's offense is, is going to be. Um, it, I think, you know, as, as much time as we have, as many wrinkles as they can put in, I think when it comes to the Michigan offense and the TCU defense, Steven, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Michigan obviously has a really diverse run game and they're going to do a lot of different things and use a bunch of different looks, but I I feel like no matter what they're, you know, what they're coming out with and and how they're getting the ball to Donovan Edwards, it's going to come down to stopping that run game and finding a way to at least slow it down and force them into some undesirable situations, which is something that nobody has really done all year. And so if TCU does it, um, then it'll be a, a huge hat tip to Joe Gillespie in that defense because nobody has really been able to push them around or find a way around, you know, pushing them around and, and making tackles in space and, you know, putting that offense behind the sticks. 
And then we switch sides. We go to the the offensive side for TCU. So this Michigan defense has been one of the best scoring defenses in the entire country in this season. Now, that that being said, um, the caliber of offense they have played has not been fantastic the entire year, but they did a good job holding down Purdue. They did a good job holding down explosive offenses like Ohio State. They held down Penn State. Um, but there have been some attacks to be able to move the ball somewhat. <clears throat> Ohio State at times moved the ball. I thought Purdue at times actually did pretty well moving the ball. And I thought uh, I thought Maryland moved the ball pretty well on them. And the one advantage that you look at when we talk about TCU against Michigan, and I think this applies to pretty much most teams that TCU plays, is that their skill position advantage is significant. They have depth at it's not just one playmaker. Quentin Johnson, legitimate first round wide. And, and go look at the the target shares and go look at the wide receiver production. I know statues don't tell it all, but like the distribution amongst wide receivers is significant. They've got two massive targets. Quentin Johnson obviously can do a little bit of everything in those size. Savion Williams, a downfield threat. Darius Davis is your speed. Tay Barber's got the speed too. And then you add in a Kendra Miller and Amari D. Mercado. I just gave you six guys that are all threats in both the running and the passing game, mostly for the passing game. D. Mercado in the battle of the backfield will do a bit more of that. And then you kind of go to the tight end side of things. I know I feel like they want to, I want to see them use them more. Jared Wiley yes, is obviously there. So I, you know, there's seven guys right there that are legitimate threats, not just to read the depth chart. These guys are all guys who have been weapons, big time weapons and made significant plays and significant games. Them. While T while uh, Michigan's defense is good and will get after you. That is one advantage. I think that TCU has is the depth of the skill that they have. I'd agree with that. And, you know, I think the more I've thought about this matchup to me, it's going to come down to the TCU defense is going to have to hold up, but I don't see them excelling in this game. I think if TCU wins, it's going to be because their offense was elite and played at a high, high level against this Michigan defense. And so it does start with Quentin Johnston. Um, he had a huge Big 12 championship game. You know, they've used him in some different ways this year. He's a he's a downfield threat. He's also really good at, you know, kind of posting up, catching the ball and, and getting extra yardage after the catch. Um, I would expect Darius Davis, who's healthier now after breaking his hand in the Texas game, to be more involved. Tay Barber as well. Uh, they got a lot of guys they can spread the ball out to. And one wrinkle that I would expect, um, and we talked about this right after the playoff selection, but Max Duggan, I think he's going to be a running quarterback in this matchup as well. Like whether it's designed run game, whether it's, you know, him getting out and scrambling some, they're going to make Michigan's defense account for him in the run game. Also, uh, Kendra Miller has had a really solid year. They're going to have to run the ball more effectively than they did towards the end of the season. And I really think what makes or breaks it is just, you know, this O-line, um, especially the tackles with, with Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman, they've struggled at times against the better defensive lines in the conference. And so Michigan's got a good pass rush. Um, and, you know, if you, if you watched the last few games of the year, a, a bunch of teams heated Max Duggan up and tried to force him to make quick decisions and get the ball out as fast as he could. And so does TCU have some, some sort of plan to mitigate that a little bit? Um, whether that's, you know, using some delay plays, some screens, um, something to, to get some easy yardage and sort of take the heat off, off Max and company. That'll be a huge key. But, you know, this offense was 
gangbusters for the first two months of the year. Tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, but I think the the break should be helpful for them. Um, and it's it's really the area. Not that Michigan doesn't have a good defense, but if if they're going to win this football game, it'll be because maybe they just haven't seen an offense like this um, that can go at different tempos and speeds and play at a high level for four quarters. And TCU will have to do that to, to win the football game. But they do have a lot of options. And, I mean, that's kind of been their MO all year is spreading the ball around. You can't just focus in and hone in on one player. Yeah, I think you mentioned the health of Darius Davis, and I have to mention that too. Like, all of those guys should be healthier or hopefully back to 100% now for this game because TCU down the stretch, look at everybody has injuries, right? But TCU down the stretch, Max was banged up for sure. Uh, Quentin Johnston 100% was banged yeah. up. We know Davis broke his hand. Kendra Miller there was – there were a few games where, you know, he's a punishing back, but, I mean, they rode him this year at times. And, uh, you know, I think that that kind of paid its toll there towards the end of the year. And now it feels like they have this time to get everybody back right and back healthy. And so that's important for them. But you mentioned the Michigan pass rush. That That's so important because we saw – and once again, that was towards the end of the year, so TCU's a little bit, little bit banged up. But – TCU is going to have to hang in there and they have to make sure they start strong. And that means that they cannot be giving up field position with sacks. They cannot be throwing away drives with their second and 17, third and 12, stuff like that. Because while they can pick that stuff up with how dynamic their offensive skill talent is, you cannot live there. And um, this pass rush is they were second in the Big Ten sacks this year. And especially once again, that Texas game, like TCU's offense was in a, I mean, it was, it was a, they were in a bad spot the first half. Their offensive line was getting crushed. Um, Luckily, their defense was up for the task, but that cannot happen again. That cannot happen again. No, they've honestly, like, in just about every game, aside from maybe, like, the OU game and some of their early season non-conference matchups, they've had stretches where they've just wasted a few possessions, like just a couple three and outs in a row that were pretty uninspired. And if they do that on Saturday, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster because Michigan's, you know – gets lathered up a little bit and starts scoring and, and controlling the clock and controlling the ball, you're not coming back. So they need to start fast. They need to find a way to be more efficient. Um, like the the screw it, Quentin Johnson's down there somewhere. Offense has worked a lot for them this year, and it's not – It worked worst. a lot last year. Well, like yeah, it was the offensive touch last year, right? It, you're going to talk to that a bunch. It's not the worst play in the world. Right. But uh, it's not, it's not going to win you a playoff game. So you have to find a way to be more consistent for sure, and that starts with protecting the quarterback. Yeah, they, they did have a little bit of Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson in that offense uh, last year. I think they did a better job getting away from that this year. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, once again, like, I'm so glad those guys will be able to, to be healthy. And I think the one thing you mentioned about, like, the uh, he's down there somewhere and, you know, that'll work or also throwing away possessions, whatever. It actually speaks to how good TCU is, the fact that they could do that and they ended up being 13 or you know, 12 and one this year right in a playoff team like that means your team is good if you can just piss away possessions and beat a schedule that you know is one of the best in the country you know at least in terms like a week to week to week thing um but i think now with a month like i want to see that tcua game for four quarters it's the kind of play we've been clamoring for all year and like i don't know you know it's really funny steven i think kind of like when i think about the upside of this i don't know if tcu like was oklahoma their best game would you say that was the best game they played for four quarters this year? Yeah, I, Iowa State maybe. I mean Iowa State, but it was it was just pretty obvious that the Cyclones, yeah. after they got down like twenty four nothing in the second quarter, yeah, mill that one in. Yeah, we're ready to go home. It was probably OU. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably OU. Just, I mean, 
they that the game was never in doubt, right? And that right. was still at the time of the year where it looked like Oklahoma might be a force in the Big Twelve. So it was uh it was it was really impressive in the moment. Yeah, it, so if you could give me the offense of the first half in that game, and if you could give me the defense the first half of Texas game, and you know, well, honestly, four quarters of that game, like they can win this football game. They definitely can. I, I don't think everybody has to play the game of their lives. I think the the guys who kind of need to do that is the the defensive line. I think those guys have to to bring it. Um, to be honest, I, I'm 31 23 Michigan in this game, and also uh, for this, I, I, let me, I meant to pull this up earlier in the game, but. Uh, those of you who don't know, it's three o'clock game Central Time on ESPN. Um, this number, I grabbed it at nine and a half. It is down to seven and a half. It was down to seven and a half about two, three weeks ago. It has stayed at seven and a half for the duration. Um, what do you think about the spread and, and kind of where are you on this about the like does TCU? I mean, I think they have to play their best game of the season. I think that's that's pretty evident. Uh, but like, where are you on, on kind of where you think this matchup goes and you give a prediction if you want, I'm not sure about when you're doing yours on your show, but uh, give us a prediction if you can. No, I'll go ahead and do it now. Uh, I, I think they can, I think they'll definitely cover the spread. I feel like I, I'm comfortable with them staying within seven points of Michigan. Um, you know, my, my head says that Michigan probably pulls out like a close game, like 31 to 27. And you see a TCU team that's just not quite there yet, but what the heck, man? I mean, we're here. I've picked against TCU before, but we're here in the playoff. <laughs> Let's say 30-28, to 28, Griffin Kell at the buzzer, kicking a field goal, and uh, they head on to play most likely Georgia in the national title game. Let's get I the, the thing I was most excited about with, with you saying that is is envisioning Brian Esford's call if that actually happens. <laughs> obviously, you got the, the, got the Banks of the Brass one with the, with the, the one against Baylor. Baylor I'm imagining yeah. it now uh, if we get that in, in this game in a college football playoff game, and also it would be great to see a Big 12 get team in a, uh, in a, in a national championship. One more thing before we get out of here. Uh, Ohio State or Georgia? Do you think the, the Buckeyes – think they belong or they're just saying that they belong i think it'll be a close game but i just man george is just a death machine i just feel like they yeah. they end up winning comfortably probably in the fourth quarter um and continue this epic run that kirby smart's on right now yeah i mean whenever they need to like it, the last two years whenever they actually have to have a game or need a game to remind everybody how good they are tennessee yeah. this year right uh, uh the SEC championship game this year alabama last year Michigan last year. I mean, they're always just absolute nails, right? That's that's kind of what they do. All right, Stephen, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh, I'm Locked On Horn Frogs. That's the YouTube channel at Locked On TCU on Twitter, and then my Twitter handle there below at Simcox Stephen. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning into our playoff coverage last week or so, um, and really, I guess last month. We uh, I appreciate it, and we here at the Locked On Network appreciate it. I'll speak for everyone and say that. We do. We do appreciate it. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. Once again, please, please, please subscribe to the channel. Help us get over 3K. Steven, we'll talk to you again soon. Get to 3K. Let's do it. Let's do it.